Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. So 2 Chronicles, please, chapter 7. We've been looking at this for a couple weeks now. And it's a scripture that we're all quite aware of at this time with all the coronavirus and all that stuff. And I want to show you again what God said we should do if we want to get out of problems that had found access into the earth. And we found out from one of the first messages that we spoke about six weeks ago on a Sunday morning, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, when the hedge is broken, the serpent will bite. And so we don't, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs of that other than something was opened so this thing could happen. And we don't need to look to the politicians to fix it all. We don't need to look to, you know, the doctors to fix it all. God said if his people would do something, it would fix it all. And right here he tells us, he says, if my people ever get off course, they fall into sin, and all these problems start to happen, and he even talks about pestilence happening in verse 13. God said if this happens, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, if they'll turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. There's about three things here, four to be specific, that God says if His people will stop doing what they've been doing and start doing these things again, that God said the the land would be healed. That would include everything from sick bodies to agriculture to economies to whatever. God said He'd heal our land. So really we don't need to be criticizing or complaining about politicians because it's not their job to do this. It's our job. Aren't you glad the Lord didn't say if all the people on the earth will humble themselves and pray? And if all the people on the earth will seek my face and all the people on the earth will turn from their wicked ways, I'll heal their land. No, he said if a certain group of people do these things, he'll heal our land. It'd be very hard to get all the people on the earth to do what he said here because a lot of people don't even believe in God. But God said if his people do it, there'd be healing in the land. And as you read through this list here, you'll find out that prayer alone, you know, increasing our prayer time, being more serious about prayer, is not, is not all that's needed to bring healing into our land. I don't think a lot of people like the last part of this verse because they just like doing what they're doing. <laughs> they just want to, you know, say praise the Lord in church and go to a couple of prayer meetings, but they still want to drink their margaritas and they still want to smoke their pot and they still want to sleep with somebody they're not married to. Well, just increasing the prayer is not going to heal our land. We better adjust these other areas too that we know are not 100% pleasing to God. So, Pastor, I don't know. Is, Is it wrong? If you have to question it, it's wrong for you. Because whatever is not a full persuasion, the Bible says is sin. So if you have to question it, you need to leave it alone. Well, Pastor, do you think it's wrong to do this thing? If you have to question it, leave it alone, because obviously you can't do it in faith, and whatever is not of faith is sin. And so we need to look at this scripture. So for the last couple weeks, we've been talking about the first thing, and that is, well, actually, let me back up. I received a letter from Keith Moore, a partner letter, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago now, And he said, there was one sentence in the letter where he said, 
uh, it's time for God's people to turn from their wrongdoing, trust God, and follow His leading. If you do these things, you will be safe no matter what's going on in the world. Turn from your wrongdoing, trust God like never before, and follow the leading of God in your life. You'll be safe. Those three things are powerful. So we decided a while back to talk about turn, trust, and follow. That's been the name of this series. We talked about repentance for two weeks, and I think we've got what we needed to get out on that. But I want to talk to you tonight about trust. And so if you would, please, um, why don't you turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And while you're turning there, um, I want to say this. If we didn't deal with the turn from your wrongdoing first and just try to fill up on faith, it would be like trying to fill up a bathtub without the plug in the drain. I mean, it does very little good to keep pouring the water in if the drains are unplugged. And a lot of times people get a lot of good teachings on faith, but they're constantly doing things that's hurting their faith or causing their faith to drain out of their life. So if we don't turn from the wrongdoing, it's like not putting the drain in in the tub. You know, all the teachings on faith and all the teachings on prosperity, all the teachings on healing could just go right out of your life if there's some plugs that are not in place. And so repentance is simply just stopping anything we know is not pleasing to God or anything we're not sure is pleasing to God. That's what he's talking about. You've got to turn from those things because if you're doing, if we're not living a life that is pleasing to God, and if we're doing things or not doing things we should do that we know are not the will of God, our faith won't work right at all. John said, if our heart condemn us, not we have confidence toward God. But if our heart condemn us, it's very hard to have confidence toward God. And I personally believe that in these last days, we need to protect our faith like never before. These are difficult, dangerous times that we're living in, and you don't want to be caught off guard. You don't want to be caught in the midst of some crazy thing happening and your faith hurt. Your confidence shot. You don't want to be there. You want to be ready. You want to be strong. You want to have high-level confidence when these things start to happen on the earth because you, you just... It's, and it's not about God not wanting to help people. It's about people not being able to receive properly. The best, the best thing you can do for your faith is just believe in the blood of Jesus and live right. <laughs> That's the best thing you can do for your faith. Um, you don't want to be caught off guard. I mean, I know Carla was mentioning a while back. She said... This is like maybe a soft opening, you know, that this, this thing that happened is like a precursor to some of the other sorrows that Jesus talked about were going to be coming on the world. And Paul talked about the perilous times and, and the uh, Spirit of God specifically talking about people departing from the faith and Jesus talking about things happening to our son and huh, all these things happening. I mean, what we just experienced, you know, this, this flu basically is what it was. Um, it scared a lot of people, but I have a newsflash for the earth. That's the beginning, <laughs> okay? And, and if you're a believer and you have your faith where it should be, none of these things are going to move us. We're going to live in a, a realm of protection that these things won't be able to get to us. But if you're living like the world, if you're doing things you know you shouldn't be doing, if you're not doing things you know you should be doing, and things like this escalate and start to happen, you're going to be caught off guard. Smith Wigglesworth said, if you wait until you need strong faith before you do get 
strong faith, you're too late. You want to have it before that stuff happens. You want to be strong before that stuff happens. And one of the things that will zap your faith, sin destroys confidence. You notice when Adam sinned, God didn't draw back. He still came down to walk with him in the cool of the day. Adam hid himself. He's the one that drew back. Sin causes you to draw back. Sin caused Peter to draw back. Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Right after the Lord blessed him with the best business his fishing business ever had. And he just drew back from the prosperity. He drew back from the Lord's goodness because he was sin conscious. And so really, you know, thank, we need to have great faith in the blood of Jesus. And we also need to walk in the light if we want our faith to be strong and where it should be. And you do want it strong in these last days, I promise you. So let's just talk for a few minutes about faith. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. So I want to ask you the question now. We asked it during the offering concerning prosperity. But I want to, you, you, you see the three things were turn, trust, and follow. And people say, well, what's the big deal about faith? I believe God. What's the big deal? I believe in God. Well, there's a lot more about faith than just a belief in God. Okay, even the devils believe and tremble, and they ain't going to heaven. Okay, we need to know a little bit more about faith, according to the scriptures, because it's a huge, huge subject. And you'll see just through a few scriptures right here, why it's such a big deal. And then I want to talk to you a little bit about the operation of faith. And uh, 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 actually, I want to talk to you about the, the number one why of faith why God gave it to us, why we should be interested in it, what we should use it for, first and foremost. And so but before we get there, let's just answer a simple question. Why faith? You know, why does our sign on the outside of our building say Faith Heights Church? Well, because it's a really cool name. No. No, I prayed, I, I labored. Remember, Carla? I, I labored over this for a while because we were formerly World Harvest Church. Great name, fine name. But we knew after a while that the word faith needed to be in the name of our church because God had called us to preach faith to our valley. He told me a long time ago, the purpose of this church is to teach people how to believe God for salvation, for the infilling of the Spirit, for healing, for deliverance, and the list goes on. And here's a couple of reasons why we study faith. This is one of the reasons we're so big on faith because God's real big on faith. You know, there's a scripture that says, above all, when the scripture says above all, you need to listen to what he's about ready to say. Above all, take up the shield of faith. So look at this scripture now in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. Why should we talk about faith? Why should we be so interested in faith? Why should we want to go higher in faith? Right here is a great scripture. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved, and there's not a period there. <laughs> okay. I know sometimes people who get into extreme grace teachings, they'd love to see a period right there. For by grace you're saved, period. That's it. Let's just talk about grace. That's all there is. Uh, that's what the devil wants you to think. <laughs> There's a lot more that God talks about. And we love grace and we love faith. And without, without either of them, we're goners. But grace alone won't save anybody. That's God's part. And, you know, we should talk about God's part, but we should more talk about our part because he's perfect in, in giving the grace. We need to talk about it and learn what it, what it is and, you know, how great and wonderful it is. But really, um, if we don't talk about our part, 
uh, how are you going to receive the grace? God can't do our part, and we can't do God's part. So it says, by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Do you understand he's talking about uh, being saved by grace through faith, not on any works on your end. You know, this is talking about a, a work of God other than the work of faith. See, that's different than the works of the law. The work of faith is different than the works of the law. And our, our effort is the effort of faith, believing. And so I wanted you to see, so how, how important is faith? Well, how important is it being saved? How important is it to be saved? Is that very important? <laughs> Big deal, right? So without faith in grace, we can't even get saved. So why should we talk about faith? Well, because it's how we get saved. And we should appreciate it forever. <laughs> Amen? I mean, this is something you don't stop appreciating. Or you go, oh, that was a wave, you know. God, God came in on a wave of faith, and now there's something new that God's doing. No, no, he, faith is not a wave. <laughs> faith is a way of life. And you never take a break from it, because for one reason, the devil never takes a break from shooting darts, and the way you quench them all is with the shield of faith. So right here, we're saved by grace through faith. Big deal. Big, 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 big deal. Ephesians 6, verse 16. I want you to notice here, in Ephesians 6, 16, Paul's talking about believers putting on the whole armor of God. And he says, above all. Say above all. Above all. Above all. Above the helmet of salvation. <laughs> right? above, above all. Above all, take up the shield of faith. Why? So that not one fiery dart of the enemy gets to you. Now that's a good word. And if you notice in this verse, he's talking about not just having faith. He's talking about using faith. Many people have faith, but they're not using their faith. And this scripture says the shield of faith is available to every believer, but it's not just going to jump up and fly into your hand and do... You have to take it up. But friend, how important is it to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one? Is that just a little bit important? <laughs> it's mega important. I'm very, very interested in quenching all fiery darts of sickness, disease, fear, anxiety, depression, marriage problems, children problems, mental problems, right? Money problems, financial problems. How many of you would like to quench all the attacks of the devil against your life. He'll attack. You may feel a bump once in a while as it hits the shield, but aren't you glad you got a shield? Aren't you glad you have a shield? And the sad thing about it is a lot of people have the shield of faith. It's just in the corner of their closet collecting dust. When the scripture says above all, <laughs> the shield of faith... We probably ought to take that up quickly, even before all the other pieces of armor, and make sure we've got the shield of faith. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. So we're talking about why faith? Well, because we want to quench all the fiery darts of the, of the devil. Why faith? Well, because we want to be saved and have other people get saved. Why faith? Look at Hebrews 11.6. The Bible says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
I thought it was interesting he didn't say without praying it's impossible to believe God. He didn't say without love it's impossible to please God. He said without faith it's impossible to please God. How important is that? Well, how important it is, you, is it to you to please God and to increase in your pleasing of God and to grow stronger in your pleasing of God? See, another thing that people need to realize about faith is it's like a muscle. You can develop it or you can leave it alone. And the Bible talks about exceeding growing faith. The Bible talks about great faith. Jesus talked about, oh, ye of little faith. There's degrees of faith. And we should be very interesting in developing in faith if we're interested in pleasing God more and more. There's something about faith that pleases God. Jesus marveled at two things when he was on the earth. Something that he really marveled at was great faith. It, it tickled him. It, it blessed him. It's like, I could see him smile. Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you, even as you will. I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Found it in a centurion, a Roman soldier of all, the, of all places. I think he would have found it in Israel. He said, I haven't found any faith like this in all Israel. Finds it in a Roman centurion. And tells his disciples, this is amazing. This is awesome. He marveled. And the negative, the only other thing he marveled at was unbelief. He couldn't believe. People wouldn't believe God. He couldn't, he, he, he just couldn't understand. Why, I mean, why are, you, why are you afraid? You heard what I taught you. And so, if we want to please God, we want to be very interested in faith. Um, in Mark 9, 23, look at this scripture. Mark 9, 23. Y'all understand that the word believe and the word faith are very, very similar in their meaning, in their definition. So in Mark 9, 23, Jesus just kind of sums it all up here and says, uh, actually, Jesus said unto him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Well, how cool is all things are possible? <laughs> Healing from cancer, AIDS, diabetes, pay off your house, right? All things are possible to him that believes. That's powerful. I, I was thinking about this one, and I thought, you know, really, cancer is not the problem. Unbelief is the problem. What should you overcome, the cancer or the unbelief? And we're not talking about unbelief in believing that Jesus is Lord or believing your sins are forgiven, but we need to make sure we have faith in all areas. Faith for healing, faith for deliverance, faith for protection. And you have to develop faith in these areas because there's so much unbelief in the world and in the church concerning these things, healing and prosperity. You just have to really dive in the Word and get your mind renewed and build up your heart in faith. And so Jesus said all things are possible. Now let me, let me clarify what I just said because I don't want anybody to go tilt. Um, I, I'm glad unbelief would be the problem more than a sickness because sickness, I mean, what control do we have over that? It's there, it sometimes comes, sometimes goes, it presents itself. You know, we may not have any control over what comes against us, but we have, a, we have control over what it takes to stop it. I was thinking, what, what, what do we need to overcome? Sickness? Or what's keeping us from believing for healing? Because all things are possible to him that believes. So if you can fix the not believing problem, no sickness is now a problem. It's not the main problem. If you can get a handle on unbelief, kick it out, build your faith, nothing is impossible 
to them that believe. So really, a lot of people work, 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 and work, and work, 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 and work, and work on the outward disease, but they never work on building their faith that would fix it all. And sometimes they get results, and sometimes they die young. And, you know, I've, one thing I found out is God will let you die. God will let people die. He doesn't want them to, but He lets them. He, it happens all the time. Good people. Children. It's not His will at all, but He lets it happen. Faith is so important. It's interesting to me that, that God is able to respond to people that are believing, even people, there are all kinds of, this is a perfect scripture to show us why bad things happen to good people. It didn't say all things are possible to him that's good. It said all things are possible to him that believes. It didn't say take up the shield of goodness. It said take up the shield of faith. Now living right, of course, will help your faith and will keep you from being, your confidence from being destroyed. But it's not just, it's Faith is, is so powerful. If God will let people go to hell who choose not to believe, of course He'll let people die of disease who choose not to believe. I remember one time Norval Hayes was talking about Brother Hagen, and um, he was re referring to a vision Kenneth Hagen had had, and uh, Jesus appeared to him actually in the hospital room because he had he had leaped over a tape recorder when he was preaching and he busted it, dislocated his elbow, I believe it was. And uh, they took him to the hospital and he's in there getting all fixed up. And the Lord appeared, uh, said something to him in the car and then appeared to him in the hospital. And one of the things the Lord told Brother Hagin, and you can read this in his book, I Believe in Visions. The Lord told Brother Hagin, he said, you know, um, I had to uh, use this thing, which was not my will, but I had to use it to get your attention. Because he was a young man at this time. And the Lord said, because you're going to be dead in seven years if I didn't have a chance to talk to you and correct you about this thing. He had put the teaching ministry above the prophet's ministry. He had emphasized teaching more than his prophet ministry. And that's, that's, not, that's not scriptural order. The Bible says first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers. And he had shifted the teacher and the prophet and he was getting in trouble and he opened the door to the devil. And the, and the Lord said, you better be glad that I allowed this to happen to you because I needed to get your attention because you were going to be dead in seven years. You say, you think God would let somebody like Kenneth Hagin die young? Oh, yeah. He doesn't want it. But this is serious stuff. I mean, faith is not, it's not just, oh, let's, let's have faith so we can get these nice things. Faith is deep. It's, it's our life. It's what pleases God. It's what marveled Jesus. It lasts forever. Faith, hope, and love. These three remain forever. This is serious. Faith is serious business. When we know to believe and we choose not to believe, that's serious business. Um, there's two kinds of unbelief. Paul said, I blasphemed. I sinned bad. I did it ignorantly in unbelief. There's an unbelief based on just not knowing. But then the children of Israel, they knew. They heard the word of God. They heard the word of the Lord through Moses. And they chose to be unpersuaded even though they heard. And that's even worse. When you know and heard what God said and you choose not to believe it and do it, that's way worse than not knowing and not doing. 
And so those are two kinds of unbelief. The, the cure for the first one is knowledge. The cure for the second one is repent and obey. Sure is quiet in this church. <laughs> um, turn with me, please, to Romans 14. Romans chapter 14. You know, I felt like the Lord said, just go ahead and punch it out tonight and don't worry because he, he said he'd help it to, to go into the people properly and work the work that it needs to work. And I, I just, I like, personally, I like bold preaching because it, it seems to get in the heart quicker. In verse 23, Paul said, uh, let's read verse 22, Romans 14, 22. Do you have faith, Paul said? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that condemns not himself in the thing which he allows. Next verse. He that doubts is damned if he eat, because he eats not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Why should we talk about faith? Well, whatever is not of faith is sin. How many think it would be a good idea to make sure that we know what faith is and that everything we're doing, we're doing because we're persuaded it's pleasing to God and it's definitely not displeasing to the Lord. So those are a few reasons of why we should study faith, but I believe the number one reason that God wants us to focus on right now at least that we need to study, and that is in Mark 16, and you can turn there, one of the greatest, if not right now in our season, greatest reason for wanting to study faith is found right here in Mark 16, verse 15. We'll start in verse 15. Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. Let's just stop right there. So we are commissioned of the Lord to go to all the world and preach the gospel. You see that? Well, it's going to take faith to do that. It's going to take faith for prosperity to do that. The devil wants the church broke because a broke church has a very weak influence on its society. It takes money to make Bibles. It takes money to print books. It takes money to build churches. It takes money to, to take care of staff in churches. It takes money to preach. It takes money to send preachers. It takes money, right, for transportation. It takes, all, it takes money. I got a revelation not too long ago. More money in the right churches equals more people in heaven because we're able to reach more people with more resources get on more TV stations, get on, get better cameras, go to higher levels, get on Victor, Go Victory Network. You know, they, they have 4K on there. We don't right now. You know, I mean, more money, more people in heaven. Isn't that interesting? Do you know why the devil gets nervous in church during office? I don't think the devil doesn't go to church. He whispers in people's ears all the time in church. He doesn't want offerings in certain churches because more money means more people in heaven and less people in the devil's kingdom. And he don't like that. 
And so he does everything he can to, to get people messed up in this prosperity. Yeah, sure, he'll push people too far and get them off in the wrong things, using their money for wrong things. But then he'll also lie to people and say, well, no church needs a lot of money. I don't know why churches need this and I don't know why they need that. Oh, right. So, so whiskey salesmen and dope dealers and crazy people can have all these beautiful things and get where they need to get and have their planes and their jets and their, their quality equipment. But the church, nah, that's just, you know, you don't, you don't need all that. Well, that just shows you, you people don't value the church and think of the church as even high as, you know, waste management. Do you know waste management owns a few inter- intercontinental private jets? I'm glad they do. Great. More power to them. But don't tell me the church can't have things like that. That's ridiculous. Taylor Swift has a, has a jet like um, Keith Moore. And I thought, well, Taylor Swift can have one. Keith Moore can have one paid for and he does well I don't know I don't think that's right you don't value the things of God you don't value the preaching of the word you don't value people getting saved obviously you don't or you you wouldn't have a problem with it if you really value the preaching of the gospel you want churches that are doing the will of God to have the best of everything I am when we do support our missionaries you know we like to take a big offerings for them when they're in town and because I want them traveling in first class. I want them having the best when they get back to their countries. And, and the, God, I think there's a lot of renewing of the mind that still needs to happen. And you know what? People are going to judge. People are going to you know, think that we have certain motives. And, but they'll have to talk to the Lord about that because everybody's going to stand before Jesus and have to answer for things that they didn't repent of. And but anyway, we just got to keep moving forward. Turn to Matthew. Ah, uh, let's see. Turn to Matthew 6. We want prosperity and health so we can do more for God's church and winning the lost. And on Sunday morning, now, if you've been with us on Sunday morning, this last Sunday, we broke open a new series as well entitled, They Brought, He Healed. We've taught it before but we're going to go further in it this time, and we're going to see some things even greater. The world's ripe right now for being brought to Jesus, being brought to church. And I thought this would be good to talk about tonight because it's kind of the financial part of Sunday mornings. It's the faith for ability to do what we're talking about on Sunday mornings. So look at um, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Let me say this again. Why faith? Because we're going to need some things to build a strong church and reach out greater and win the lost. We're going to need some things. We're going to need to be free from some debts so we can be freer to do more for the Lord in these areas. Um, I, I really believe the Lord wants all of us financially free. So if He says, I want you to go out, out of the country for a couple of weeks, we can do it. Uh, you know, I want you to do this thing, a project in the church for a couple weeks. You can do it. He wants us financially free so we can do His work. And if our heart is to help His people and to win the loss, and that's why we want our cars paid for, that's why we want our houses paid for, that's why we want good stuff, that's why we want reserve in the bank. If that's, if that's the reason we want these things, I know that I know that I know the prosperity will increase almost immediately. And the the things that we need to do, our greatest heart's desire, will come. Now, I know there's people that 
are like that in their heart. They really want to do the will of God. They want to help the church. They want to help win the lost. But at the same time, they have offense toward the prosperity message. Well, you have to, you have to believe in prosperity as well as be completely obedient to the Lord in these other areas if you're going to see prosperity in your life. Because some of these people are so great in, in their heart, but they just, they just don't, they preach against prosperity. And to me, it doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't you want to prosper if you were a giver? Why, wouldn't you, why would you be against prosperity if that helped us to print more Bibles, build bigger churches, help more people? So in Matthew 6, let's look at this scripture. We all know it by heart, I'm sure. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So, well, you know, we've sung songs about this. We've preached sermons on this. I'm just not sure everybody's doing it. <laughs> you know, saying amen to this scripture doesn't mean we're doing this scripture. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, if all the things that we are needing and that the Gentiles are going after aren't being added to us, this might be a really good place to check up on. Are we seeking first the kingdom of God and His... You know, seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, I'll just be honest with you, that's going to mess up everybody's plans and agendas. <laughs> if you're not willing for your plans and agendas to be totally messed up and overhauled, um, you know, I don't know how well you're going to do in keeping this first. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness is not talking about seeking the things of God until it's not convenient or until you don't have time. It's talking about a complete sellout. A complete sellout. And again, one of the ways we can tell if we're doing this is are all things being added to us? Are we still striving and struggling in certain areas? And I have to look at myself in this area all the time. We all do. Because it all comes back to the core. You know, we try to deal with all these outward, on the fringes stuff, but it all comes back to the core. Is God really first? Are His things really more important to us than anything in our personal life? Are His things, and, and, and you know, it's, it's easy to say, God, you're first, but God's going to go show me. How, how, how am I first? Show me. How, how are you, what's your attitude toward my church? What's your attitude toward my people? Well, no, I don't know about the church, Lord, but you're first in my life. God says, show me, your, show me I'm first in your life. Jesus, you're first in my life. Well, show the part of Jesus in the earth that I'm first in your life. I mean, it's, it's easy to say, God, you're first. It's another thing to put his things first. Sure got quiet again in this church. <laughs> that could be because there's only seven people in here, too. Um, <laughs> so let's just read it again seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be un added unto you what we know that involved in, in this verse right here is, is taking care of his church and winning the lost and those two go together the church, the stronger the church the more we're going to see lost people saved the more we're going to see people delivered from hell turn from the power of Satan to the power of God the, the stronger the church is the stronger our outreach is and, you know, I, um, the Bible, I actually, remember we taught a while back on making room for the things of God? And we did a whole teaching on uh, discovering and understanding what the things of God are. 
And, you know, I mean, it would be nice to just walk up to God and hug his neck and, 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 and tell him face to face, Father, I just love you so much. But right now, that's not how we show our love to him in the primary way. The primary way we show our love to the Lord now is how we are toward his things in the earth and his people in the earth. You know, remember the scripture that says, do good unto all men, but especially to those who are of the household of faith? Uh, we need to realize that anything we do for his church, we do for him personally. Because the church is his body. Right? I mean, if, if I went over to Carla and rubbed her shoulders, you know, am I doing that for her or just her body? <laughs> I'm doing that for her. Right? So what, what we do for his body, we do for him. What we don't do for his body, we don't do for him. And this, I, I really believe that we need to start using our faith for a greater reason than just getting out of debt, than just getting our bodies healed, than just getting that miracle we need physically, I believe we need to attach our believing to the end result, and that is healthier so I can help God's church and win more people to the Lord. Wealthier so I can help God's people and win more people to the Lord. Right? Stronger, so I can help God's people and help more people get, get to Jesus. If that's our number one end result, I really believe with all my heart, it won't be so hard to receive healing. It won't be so hard to receive prosperity. It won't be so hard to get out of debt. If we want those things, first and foremost, to take care of His people and to help win the lost. Which, of course, if we take care of His people, more lost are going to be won because the better shape the church is in, the better shape winning the lost, the, uh, the better shape our outreach to winning the lost will be in. Um, how about we just go to that scripture in 1 Kings and we'll close. 1 Kings chapter 3. Now, if somebody came to you and, and, um, and l- let's, say, let's say you have kids and let's say your kids presently are are out of your jurisdiction to where you can physically help them. You could give other people support to help them, but you're in a place right now where you're not able to physically help your kids, but you can empower others to help your kids. And let's say, you know, as a parent, let's say somebody comes up to you and says, you know what, I have access to where your children are. I can get in there. Um, And I know you guys as parents right now can't, but um, my heart is to help your kids. I want to help your kids more than anything. I want to bless them, help them, strengthen them, get them healed if they're sick. What what are you going to do as a parent? Well, go ahead, Godspeed, you know, give it a shot. You're going to go, let me load you down with all the resources I can give you to go help my kids. I can't get to them right now, but you can. Huh? Huh? You say, man, I'll, I'll write any checks you want me to write. I'll give you any ability you need. You want to help my kids? I'll give you anything you need to help them. New cars, houses, airplanes, jets, furniture. I even want you refreshed. I just say, you know, I just want to bless you with some things that, that just will bless your life. So that Because the more blessed you are, the more able you're going to be able to help my kids. This is God's attitude. And I want to show it to you right here in 1 Kings chapter 3. We've all read this, but such rich, rich revelation right here. 1 Kings chapter 3. I didn't tell you what verse did I? Verse 3. 1 Kings 3. Let's read a couple verses here. 
And Solomon loved the Lord. There it is right there. Walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. Keep going. Let's read a few here. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Solomon asked, what shall I give you? <laughs> it's like an open book, man, like our, our, an open uh, invitation. And Solomon said, You have showed unto your servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before you in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. And you have kept for him this great kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant me king instead of David, my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, which you have chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant. Now, now this, isn't this interesting? He could have had anything he wanted. Oh, God, help me win the lotto. It's 186 million right now. And let me be the only one. And why don't you add a trillion onto that? And a few houses. And fame like never before and power over all my enemies. I mean, he wanted this more than all that. But it's interesting, he got all that. <laughs> but he didn't ask for it. He, how many know he asked for the right thing? It could probably eliminate uh, 12 or 13 other prayers. <laughs> Things would just start being added to you. He said, Lord, I just want to be able to help your people. I want to, discern, I want to be able to discern between good and bad, and who's able to judge such a great people as your people? Next verse. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And you know the rest of it, right? Well, let's just read it and we'll close. And God said unto him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, nor asked the riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to your words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like you before you, neither shall there be a rise like after you. All right? And he says, I also given you that which you have not asked, both riches and honor, and there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. All right? So it's interesting here. He asked for power to help God's people, and he got the power to help God's people. It's interesting. He, he became wealthy, he became rich, he became wise, he became strong. And the same wisdom that helped him to discern from good and bad and to help make right decisions among the people of God, uh, people of God is the same wisdom that made him rich. So I, I'm saying that to tell you right now. If your faith is connected to wanting to help God's people and see more people in heaven... God will give you everything you need and more to see to it that your heart can do everything your heart wants to do. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you for faith. It's a gift from you. Thank you for showing us why faith. Thank you for helping us to keep it in the right perspective. And Lord, we want everything that we need to help your people, to be a blessing, to do your will, to fulfill our part and to ultimately help people get to heaven. And so, Lord, we open ourselves up and we believe that all the things we've been wanting are going to come quicker now because we want them first and foremost so we can be a blessing to your people 
and see more people in heaven. I believe the Spirit of God just told me right now, get ready. Tell the people, son, get ready for quick increase. If you made those adjustments, and if you maintain this attitude, get ready for quick increase, it's going to supernaturally come to you, some even before the end of this month. And I know there's only a couple days left in this month. Others will be maybe a few weeks. There's increase coming if you take this serious and connect your faith to these two things. Father, we thank you. It's happening. It has to happen. We have to prosper. Things have to get better. Things have to get better. We've got to get free. We've got to get stronger. We've got to get healthier. It has to happen because we've got a part to play, a job to do, a vision to support. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.